Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Why not us? Blake, Iowa Gopher. It's good to be back. And you streets. Hey y'all. All right, so uh, we are going to start with softball because the softball team, uh, they are the gods of campus. Minnesota swept LSU in their very first home uh, Super Regional and are headed to now their very first College World Series. And my question to start for you, Andy, is does Amber Pfizer get her statue yet? Uh, she better. Uh, honestly, I mean, there's been some some great players through the University of Minnesota, but uh, nobody's ever gotten them to the uh, NCAA Women's College World Series, and it's been literally on the strength of Pfizer's right arm. Um, Amber Pfizer, just insane so far the NCAA tournament. Uh, she's pitched every single pitch, so that's 559 pitches in five games, 36 innings pitched, 38 strikeouts, a .78 ERA. Um, yeah, she good. Um, and, I mean, she's getting rewarded for it, which is nice, as we'll talk about here in a minute, but uh, honestly, put the, put that statue out in front of James H. Cole Stadium because she deserves it. Is there really anything else to say about the this? I mean, obviously, there's more to say than just Amber Pfizer was awesome. But I, I, I mean, help help for anybody who wasn't watching, help them understand what happened with LSU. Was it simply Pfizer shut them down and the Gophers got a little bit of uh, offense going, or did they also explode with the bats too? Yeah, it was a little a, little b. They won uh, the first game on Friday, five to three, um, where Pfizer was was sharp and gave up. Uh, Gave up a couple of runs, uh, but the Gophers scored four runs in the uh, four runs in the fourth inning. Got a couple of big hits, a uh, couple of Maddie Hulahan hits, and then Allie Arneson with the uh, the game winning single driving in the two two runs. Um, and then it was Arneson again. The Gophers won three nothing on the back of a Pfizer shutout on Saturday. Um, but Arneson basically got something. It was a pitcher's duel to the fifth inning. Uh, Matt, uh, Gorsuch for LSU and Pfizer, nobody could get any anything going. And uh, Allie Arneson, the senior shortstop, not known for power, hit a solo shout out to left to give him a one nothing lead. And the Gophers added a couple of insurance runs in the seventh inning to uh, to get the win. But uh, you know, it was, it was nice because the Gophers got hitting from from the bottom of their order um, in the in the Saturday game against LSU um, when the top of the order wasn't doing much. And that's something, if they're going to have any chance to pick up any wins this weekend at the College World Series, they're going to try and need to get some contribution from the bottom part of their order. Um, yeah, as, as you can read in my preview tomorrow, the top four uh, for Minnesota, one through four, is where normally all the hits go. Um, you've got McKenna Partain, which is the table setter, and then Maddie Houlihan, Hope Brander, and, and Natalie Denhartog that usually try and get her home. But the uh, five through nine batters, the, the batting average drops precipitously. They're they're all batting averages are in the in the two hundreds or low. Um, they came up big in the uh, in the final game of the LSU series, and uh, if Minnesota's going to try and squeak out a win or two this weekend, I think they're going to have to try and, and stay hot and, and come up big once again. You uh, alluded to the fact that she was rewarded recently. Uh, that would be being named an All American today. Is that correct? Yeah, two uh, two sets of All Americans came out today. Um, the NFCA, the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association, which is basically the official All-American list, 
uh, be like the equivalent of the AP if you're talking about college football or something like that. Uh, Pfizer was named a first-team All-American in that. Uh, she was also named a first-team All-American for the uh, Softball America uh, All-American selections. They decided to recognize some of the other Gophers as well. Um, uh, Hope Brander was named second team All-American. Natalie Denhartog was named 13 All-American. And McKenna Partain was named honorable mention. Um, so some, some nice recognition for the Gophers in, in getting here. But, uh, but once again, the fact that you know, you've got Pfizer as, as uh, first team All-American in, in both, uh, both awards handed out on Thursday is a, a pretty impressive thing for, for this Gophers team and for her. All right, looking at the College World Series, uh, you mentioned you know what would be needed for Minnesota to win a game or two. Um, what do you actually see Minnesota <clears throat> picking up a win before ending up on the uh, elimination side of the bracket? Um, you know, it, it, it's all going to depend on on if they can execute. Um, you know, the 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 level of competition they're playing against, starting with number two national seed uh, UCLA on Thursday, uh, goes up big time. Um, and then they've got either Washington or Arizona in, the, in their second game. So um, you're going from the best softball conference in the country, the SEC, to the very close number two softball conference in the country in the Pac-12. Um, you know, basically what Minnesota is going to have to do to win, and I say this in my preview, though you'll be able to read on the blog on Thursday, is they're going to have to get Pfizer to be unbelievable again, probably only allowed one or two runs at max, and they're going to have to take advantage of some hits. Um, can they do it? Yes, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, this team has not hit amazingly well against great competition, um, especially early in the year when you know when they were playing their, their non-conference swing. Um, they played Arizona twice and, and lost to them. They played you know Florida, Florida State, and lost both those games. Um, they're going to have to find a way to hit the ball, and they're going to have to have Pfizer have uh, the game or two of her life. Um, you know, I don't think anybody expects this Minnesota team to win a game. They're they're definitely the distinct underdog coming into this, but they've been the underdog all season long. Their 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 motto all season long has been "Why not us? Um, why can't it be us to be the first Minnesota team to keep get to the College World Series? Why can't it be us the first Minnesota team to to try and make a run to the championships?" So, um, you know, the, they're playing with house money at this point. Nobody expects anything, but if they go out and play up to their potential, they could uh, they could sneak one or two of these games away. So can you quickly summarize the format of the College World Series? Because, you know, a lot of people get used to the postseason in Major League Baseball, and obviously uh, this is not the same. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's set up. The College World Series, eight teams. Um, you know, we had the eight Super Regionals last weekend. Eight teams advanced the College World Series, and it's set up as basically two four-team regionals. Um, and they and they do it by national seeds. So you've got the number two seed UCLA team playing number seven Minnesota, and then they're in the same sort of four-team bracket as number six Arizona and number three Washington. And then you've got Oregon or uh, not Oregon, excuse me, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Florida, and. Um, the other eighth team, which I can't remember down on the other lower half of the bracket. <laughs> uh, so, so they basically play like we did the regional. So you play your first two games tomorrow, or your first game tomorrow. Um, if you win that game, you then play in the winner's bracket Friday night. If you lose, you get Friday off, but then you have to come back and probably play a double header on Saturday, or else you lose in the first game on Saturday and you're eliminated. Um, 
so that's where it gets tough, especially for Minnesota. If they want to have any chance, they almost need to try and win this first game against UCLA because if you get to a point where they have to play double headers, um, you know, we, we've seen Amber Pfizer come back on, on short day rest, but I don't think there's any way you can trust that Pfizer is going to be able to go at least 14 innings against some of the best teams in the country in one day. That's just asking too much. Um, so basically, if Minnesota wants to have a good shot at, at advancing, they have to find a way to beat this UCLA team tomorrow to start, and it is not going to be easy. Uh, this UCLA team is absolutely loaded. All right, well, tell us about UCLA. Just What do they have that has made them the number two team in the country? Well, to start, they have Rachel Garcia, which if you know anything about softball, you've heard the name Rachel Garcia. Um, she's just finished, or she still is in her junior season at UCLA. Uh, her freshman season, she was named the freshman National Freshman of the Year, and she's won the National Player of the Year in college softball the last two years. Uh, she's good. She's both a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, Garcia, this season for UCLA in the circle, uh, 24-1, and 101 ERA, 253 strikeouts in 166 innings, an opponent batting average of 153. Wait, so, do you, did you say 253 strikeouts in 166 innings? Yeah. So she's striking out two of every three batters? Almost, yes. Good Lord. Yeah, she's good. Um, and just in case you think that, you know, she's just a pitcher. Oh, by the way, she's also hitting three forty four with nine home runs and 49 RBIs. Which, those numbers would basically rank number two or number three on the Gopher roster in, in all those stats. Uh, she's like UCLA's fifth or sixth best offensive player. The Bruins have six players hitting three forty four or higher. Um... They have a leadoff hitter, who, if you thought LSU's leadoff hitter was good last week, UCLA's leadoff hitter is hitting 446 on the year. <laughs> yeah, oh my Lord. Um, you know they've got a two-hole hitter who hits 397, leads the team in runs with 65. She's also 21 for 22 on stolen bases. Uh, Bubba Nichols, the junior power hitter, is she was named second team All American today. Uh, she's hitting three ninety five, eleven doubles, sixteen home runs, sixty nine RBIs. Uh, their cleanup hitter is hitting three eighty, has thirteen doubles, twelve home runs. Um, their five hole hitters hitting three sixty seven, nineteen doubles, ten home runs. So, yeah, they can hit and they can pitch. There's a reason why they're fifty two and six this season overall. I mean, there's a lot of overwhelming stats that say they're good there, but the two that just continue to blow my mind is that they have a, a number one pitcher who strikes out two of every three batters she faces, and they have a leadoff hitter who's basically a coin flip to get on base every single time. Like, that's well, and, and all when, right. And when you're a coin flip to get on base, I mean, she's 23 for 26 in stolen bases this year. So not only is she a <laughs> coin flip to get on base, but if she gets on first, it's almost guaranteed she's getting to second. Now, obviously, some things must be happened because she only has 43 runs on the season. So she must be getting out on the base pass somewhere. Um, I'm just not 100% sure where without diving too much into the stats. But if, like I said, if you look at the two through six, 
it doesn't really matter. They may be getting her out, but the rest of the team is scoring tons of runs as well. So Minnesota has an epic task ahead of them tomorrow. Can they do it? Sure. But it's going to take Amber Pfizer basically throwing the game of her life, and it's going to take a couple of gophers finding a way to hit the best pitcher in the country um, and try and somehow steal a one nothing or 2-1 game, I think. I if they get into a shootout, this is going to get ugly in a hurry, and the Gophers might actually even get run-ruled. But uh, we'll, we'll hope it doesn't get to that. But uh, it's definitely going to be a struggle for, for the Gophers on Thursday. So Pfizer stands on her head. Den Hartog gets a solo shot. Minnesota wins one nothing. You heard it here first. Uh, what's, uh, wh- how are people going to be able to watch this game tomorrow? Uh, yeah, so game should start about one thirty, assuming the the first game, the uh, Washington and, and Arizona game, doesn't go long. But it should start about one thirty. It will be airing on ESPN, flagship ESPN, uh, and in the Twin Cities, it will be on ninety six point seven. I think it is. It's whatever K Fan Plus is. You can stream that on iHeartRadio as well. Uh, Mike Grimm is going to be on the call, so uh, you can listen to it. You can watch it if you're at work. Um, stream it obviously and watch it ESPN if you if you have that availability and then it'll all depend like you said on how they go. Uh, if they lose, they have to come back and play at 11 a.m. Saturday and then they'll have to if they win that game would play at I think six on Saturday. Uh, if they win, they'll play Friday night and then get Saturday off. So um, either way, the Gophers are looking at, at playing you know two or three games in in two or three days and uh, it, it's going to take all they got. Uh, you know they they could do it. Why not us? But uh, it, it's it's going to take a Herculean effort, I think, for, for Minnesota to try and uh, get past some of these teams. All right. Um, well, in any case, it's exciting uh, to have the Gophers in their first College World Series for softball. We are going to move from that excitement to a little bit of frustration. Uh, as I'm sure anyone who's listening is aware Amir Coffey has decided to stay in the NBA draft. Uh, we talked about this last night on Great Takes Less Filling, uh, but I'm going to just quickly get some uh, kind of quick uh, reactions from Blake and Andy. Were either of you two surprised by this decision? We'll start with Blake. No. I mean, I honestly I just never got the vibe um, back when he made the announcement that the, he was ever just testing the waters. And, you know, he had like his goodbye Instagram post. And I just I just got the impression that this was a guy who was ready to be done with college and go get paid somewhere, wherever that may be, Europe or at the NBA. So I never really got my hopes up that he was coming back. Um, but, you know, I wish him the best of luck. Andy? Yeah, you know, I mean... Uh, slightly frustrated, but I understand Amir's got to do what he thinks is is good for him. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised he made that decision. Um, you know, I think, uh, as I'm sure you guys talked about and we can talk about in a little bit, it's going to put the, the Gophers in a bit of a, a weird spot next year. Um, and, you know, as, as we'll look ahead, you know, It'd be one thing if Amir was going to be pretty much a shoe-in to get an NBA job, but I think we're pretty much to the point where we know that he's probably looking at the G League at best and a decent shot he's not even there and he might be in Europe. Um, so I, I just hope that, you know, he, he obviously he made the decision because he thinks it's best for him, which is good. Um, hopefully Minnesota fans aren't too hard on him, but I, I 
you know, I threw this around in our Slack chat a little bit ago, and, and it, it's it's definitely on the meaner side, but, you know, I just hope that Minnesota fans don't see this too much as a missed opportunity and, and start throwing him around in the same class of the of the Rick Rickerts and the Chris Humphreys and the, you know, what could have been and um, thinking more about themselves than they did about the, the team and their teammates. But, um, you know, hopefully he blows up and, and we have great representation from a gopher player in the NBA. I just, I, I don't personally see it coming anytime soon, and uh, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I said this yesterday uh, on Great Takes, um, you know, Street said it. You can't really lament a kid making decision that's that he he feels is best for him you know i mean amir is an older junior uh, he would have been an old senior he may not have ever had a great shot at getting to the nba so why wouldn't he take a an opportunity to get paid and and make that dream start hopefully a little bit earlier uh, when his window is you know still a little bit wider so uh Obviously, it affects Minnesota as in terms of the quality of the team for next year, and I understand fans being upset about that. But honestly, it's it's more something that just sucks. It's not something to be mad about. It's just, you know what? It happens. Okay, move on. Uh, just, I think the question I guess I'm going to pose to all of you is just how down does this make you on next year's team? Are you, you know, really, really not seeing an NCAA tournament anymore, or does it just, you know, obviously make the path more difficult? Um, you know, I think it, I think it makes the path more difficult just because, you know, coffee's been easily probably one of their top two players the last three years, him and, him and Jordan Murphy. And, you know, both those guys are gone. Um, and I don't I know if there's anybody on the, on the roster currently or coming in that can replace those two. Um, I think it's going to be possibly the toughest coaching job of Patino's, um, tenure so far, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think there's just a ton of uncertainty, and I just don't know. I really don't know how to feel about this team yet. Uh, I think it could be a team that maybe struggles early on next season as they kind of work um, to gel as a team, um, and then maybe turns it on late. Um, I just, I honestly don't know what to expect. I mean, but there's a, kind of an exciting part of that too, is seeing um, kind of a new look team compared to what we've seen the past three years. But uh, I think at the very least, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, personally, I, I think, and and don't count me out as a, or count me as a great prognosticator, but, um, you know, I think this takes a team that could compete for a top four Big Ten slot and comfortably in the tournament to a team that's probably going to be sitting right on that bubble consideration all February and March long. Um, a lot will depend on how fast the players who we haven't seen adapt. Um, and I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on them, which will either be good, they'll either they'll either excel under pressure, or or we might see them struggle. Um, you're going to have to see, you know, Isaiah Innan play a much bigger role a lot sooner than I think they would have had Coffee been around. I think you're going to have more pressure on Marcus Carr to be more of a playmaker than a true ball distributor point guard. Um, you're going to have to try and get as much great play early as you can out of Orturu and Curry. You know, and and that's the other problem is you don't know how good Eric Curry is going to be back. Um, I I think I saw something saying earlier that they're not expecting Curry to get cleared to play until September again or October again, so it's going to be a slow start for him to get ramped up and get back to this after basically hardly playing the last two years. 
Um, so there's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure on the returning pieces where you know you could have used Amir Coffee to be your consistent scorer early in the year, and you know it's not an amazingly tough non-conference schedule that we know about. But you got a lot of road and neutral site games. You got to play Oklahoma State and Tulsa. You got to play Oklahoma and Sioux Falls. You got to go to Butler. You got to go to Utah. Um, so these new guys are going to get tested right away, and we'll see whether they get battle tested by the time the Big Ten season comes around, or whether this team is going to have to try and make up some serious ground because of a shaky non conference season. Who slots in for Amir? Like, who, obviously, this puts a hole into the lineup who who steps in and fills that street i mean what what who do you see as that guy or is it going to have to be a couple of guys there are three obvious candidates the first is michael hurt who was usually amir coffee's backup last year when he was playing in a small forward situation the second would be peyton willis who's a combo guard and potentially might be backing up the point guard as well depending on how recruiting shakes out in the spring because thus far the only player on the roster who's actually a point guard is Marcus Carr so rolling with that again and then the third would be Isaiah Enan who is of course the top 100 four-star sort of small forward power forward but and everyone is expecting at the college level that he'll be a small forward it'll be one of those three I would suspect that Michael Hart probably starts the season as your starting three and then depending on the growth and development of Isaiah Enan that he turns into the new Amir Coffee in terms of what he's going to bring to the table. Michael Hurt uh, can do some things on a basketball court, but he cannot do a lot of the things that Amir Coffee could just from a sheer athleticism perspective. Isaiah Enan might have that ability. Andy, what, what do you think is going to go down? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they're going to have to rely on Enan a lot earlier than they may have hoped. I think, you know, if Coffee was here, they could transition him as more of a sixth or seventh man off the bench and, and give him 20 minutes a game and just sort of let him uh, work his way up to being a, a highly productive player, hopefully once the Big Ten season comes along. Um, I don't think you have that option anymore. I mean, Michael Hurt might get the start in, in name only, but Michael Hurt is a significant drop-off to where Amir Curry was. He's not going to be able to score like that. He might be okay on the defensive end and give you a few rebounds, but, I mean, you're talking about going from a potential 20-point scorer a game to a 4-point scorer a game. Um, so I think they're going to need Enan to step up, and they're going to need him to step up early. And Like I, I was saying earlier, you know, the, the, they've got a few tough road tasks early in the non-conference season, um, so this team will get battle-tested one way or the other. It's either they're going to rise up to the level of competition and they're going to impress and we're going to be feeling better about them come, come December, or the Big Ten season's going to be coming, the Gophers are going to be 6-6 six and six in the non-conference, and we're going to be wondering what the hell's going to happen because nobody can really fill that hole and, and the Gophers don't quite have a great offensive rotation come Big Ten time. So uh, cross your figures that that Enan can can play a part and cross your fingers that uh, everybody else can stay healthy because I think uh, they lose one offensive playmaker at some point here in the fall and uh, they're in deep, deep trouble. All right, we're going to throw it out to a little question from the blog. Uh, this one uh, was from Sports Avenue. He asked if he was wrong to think Gabe Kelsher is an NBA talent and then he went on to answer his own question that he thinks he is wrong but he'd like to, to know why. I'm going to actually have us take that and go a little broader. Amir Coffey was obviously an NBA talent. We don't 
think that where he's at right now quite got there to the point where any of us seem to think he would be on an NBA team, at least not yet. But he certainly was an NBA talent, and there's a reason that there was always a, a worry that he'd, he'd leave early, uh, and that's because of his talent. Who do we think the next set of, the next likely NBA talent on the Gophers is? And I'll start with you, Andy. Uh, I'm going to go with Mr. Oturu. I think Oturu has the potential to be a, a good four in the NBA, especially if he can increase his shooting range a little bit. Um, but he, he's got that rebounding build. He's got an inside scoring threat. Um, you know, I think if he continues to, to bulk up and get a little bit stronger, that he could definitely be a, a good four in the NBA. Um, you know, the, the potential is there for other players. Um, Marcus Carr has the potential to be a, a backup point guard type player in the NBA, maybe. If he lives up to expectations in the next two years, um... You know, if, if Gabe Kalsher can be a true, consistent three-point shooter, there's room for him to try and fill a Steve Kerr, Kyle Korver-type notch, I guess. Um, but, you know, I think Minnesota's got a lot of guys who will be decent college players, but I think they still have a lot of guys who are going to have to sort of prove that they can make it the next level up just like Coffee is going to because there's a big leap from being a good college player to being a productive NBA player um, if you don't have the true size to, to make it in the league. Street, do you see anybody making uh, the jump easily at all? Yeah, Dawson Garcia and Jalen Suggs, I think, will, will probably make the jump pretty well. To answer Sports Avenue's question, specifically the reason why you are correct and that Gabe Kelsher is not an NBA player is that he is not athletic enough to play in the NBA. He's a little bit on the short side for what you'd want a 3 and D wing to be. And while he is quite a good defender at the college level and I think will only get better, I think he'll have an excellent college career, is his sort of ceiling for an NBA player is a 3 and D wing. And for there, you want someone who's sort of at least 6'5", 6'6". And Gabe Kalsher is not that and much more uh, athletic. But I would also agree with Andy that of the people who are currently on the roster, Daniel Latour is the most likely to get to the NBA and also that that proposition is itself somewhat unlikely. All right, we're going to take a, a break and get a word from our sponsor, who I expect will not be HelloFresh. Let's find out. All right, uh, moving on to baseball. This will be pretty quick because there is no more baseball. Uh, the Gophers have ended their season, are not going to be part of the NCAA tournament. And I guess, Andy, the big question I have for you at this point was, uh, do, we, do we view this season as a disappointment after a couple years of some pretty decent success in the, in the Big Ten and, uh, and beyond? Yeah, I think, I think if you asked anybody objectively, they'd have to say it was a disappointment. I mean, Minnesota did lose a ton of offensive talent from the team that won the Big Ten regular season and Big Ten tournament last year and made it to their first Super Regional in, in quite a while. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Gophers were excited about their pitching staff coming back. You had Patrick Fredrickson, who was... Uh, the Big Ten Pitcher of the Year as a freshman. You had Max Meyer, who had been lights out as a closer as a freshman, um, who everybody knew was going to be making a jump to the rotation. Um, and, and that just didn't develop. Fredrickson dealt with injuries for most of the year. He was not sharp to start the non-conference season and then missed a 
good chunk in the middle of the Big Ten season before coming back at the end of the year, but wasn't even anywhere close to as, as good as he was his freshman year. And Max Meyer developed into a decent starter uh, for the Gophers, but, um, you know, just stretching him out instead of using him for an inning or two and using him for six or seven, uh, there was more time for opposing hitters to get him the second and third and fourth time through the order, and so he, he uh, you know, he can build on that, but... Um, yeah, you know, the Gophers ended the regular season, um, or ended the complete season with a 29-27 and 27 record. Uh, they ended up finishing in a tie for third for the Big Ten regular season crown, ended up getting the number four seed in the uh, Big Ten tournament, and dropped their first game to Nebraska right away, um, which didn't help, put them in the loser's bracket. And they made a nice little run, running back to the loser bracket. They knocked out uh, number one seed Indiana, and then knocked out Iowa, before having to play, um, you know, a pair of do-or-die games against Ohio State, and they, they won the first game 9-6, uh, but just fell down early in the second game and couldn't find a way. They tried coming back, but the, the Buckeyes held them off for a, an 8-6 win, and Ohio State would go on to beat Nebraska and win the, the Big Ten tournament title and, and make the make the NCAA tournament as the auto bid, which they never would have gotten in had they not won the, the Big Ten tournament as well. So, um, But, yeah, no, Minnesota, like I said, just didn't get the production from the pitching staff they thought they were going to get. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of bright spots was to play Eli Wilson, the junior catcher. Um, really hit the ball really well. He was actually under the name the uh, the Gopher team MVP uh, in their banquet earlier this week. Um, the question will be is does Minnesota will be on, on watch to see as he's a draft eligible junior. Uh, the Major League Baseball draft is here in a week or so, and if he uh, if he gets selected early enough, he probably will sign a professional deal and and leave the Gophers with one year of eligibility uh, remaining. So that that could be a, a hole for Minnesota to fill. Um, Brett Schultz is another player to watch. He's just finished his junior season, moved into the the closer role. Um, you know, he he went five and one in the in the bullpen this year. Um, he's career 18 and four out of the bullpen for the Gophers. Um, you know, he could be another person selected in the, in the middle rounds towards the end of the, of the draft when that happens here in a week, uh, it could be a potential threat to, uh, to go pro and, and leave a year of eligibility. So, um, if Minnesota can keep those two, I think they've got a, a pretty good lineup returning for, for 2020. Um, you know, they had a couple of younger players step up and, and play big roles this year. Um, but if they lose lose Wilson, they lose Schultz. They're going to have some more holes to fill, and and they're going to have to, you know, hope they can get Fredrickson back to to full strength and and regain some of his form he had in his freshman year, and see if Meyer continues to improve. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be the Gophers will definitely be a question mark going into next season once we see some of these personnel moves. But uh, with John Anderson doing, I'm sure he'll he'll have the team back as. Uh, back towards the top of the Big Ten as, as fast as he can, and we'll just have to see. It's just probably not going to be a, a dream season like uh, they had in 2018. All right, we're going to close out with some football. Um, this is apparently the spring of our discontent, and that's because of a recruiting unrest recently. Uh, Blake, should we be worried about the recent decommits that the Gophers have seen? Yeah, you know, it hasn't been uh, the greatest uh, spring for recruiting in, like, it Outside of spring football, that's really all Gopher fans have to look forward to, I guess. And the spring is just recruiting, and especially the last couple of years where um, Fleck and 
and crew have kind of locked down a majority of the class in the spring, which is not something that we're um, accustomed to. But yet this spring, um, you know, we've had a couple of decommits just in the last couple of weeks. Um, specifically, I think two defensive linemen and a linebacker. Um, and the other recruits that are committed in general, I think just haven't been highly rated um, for whatever that's worth, however much stock you want to put into that. So it's been kind of a ho-hum uh, recruiting season. Um, I don't think it's any reason to panic yet. Um, I do think they're in kind of a, a transitional period um, in terms of how the program is perceived because those first couple of classes, you know, Fleck can kind of sell the idea of, you know, be one of the early building blocks for this rebuild. Um, and, you know, they won, they won games last year. They, you know, they had a really strong end of the season, but I think um, you're going to see a lot of recruits, or at least the more um, highly coveted recruits, are going to probably wait and see this season and see um, if Fleck can sustain or improve upon last season. Um, you know, just win games, win bigger games. Because um, at a certain point, you, you have to stop rebuilding and start actually building and proving that you can build a consistent program. So um, I think I don't think this class will be as um, heavy going into the season as it has been in previous years just because I think we're kind of a wait-and-see mode. But uh, certainly hasn't been the most fun recruiting cycle so far, but uh, still a lot of time left. All right, so Fleck made a comment last week that got the world fired up seemingly. Um, you know, Blake wrote about it on the blog. It really probably shouldn't be that big of a thing, but uh, you want to just kind of, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I read it and I was like, this is not an issue. This is, seems like something that everybody would say. Basically, for anyone who didn't read the post or is has been on vacation or something already, Fleck basically said, look, if you're committed, we're committed. We'll hold, your, we'll hold you a, a, a roster spot and a scholarship. Uh, if you want to keep looking, we'd like you to decommit and just know that we're not going to hold that scholarship. This is pretty much everybody's policy as far as I know. Um, but apparently this was somehow the end of the world or something. Uh, Street, I believe you have some strong feelings about this whole thing. Uh, you know me. I always have very strong opinions about recruiting. I think, to at least be fair to the four or five people on Twitter who got really mad about it, the thing was not that. It was Flex discussion about how commitment needs to mean something and you know the youth of America today like don't believe in commitment. And that was the the part that got people annoyed obviously and transparently the incentive structure for a coaching staff at any place that recruits but especially at a power five d1 conference is to get all the players you want to commit and then never talk to anyone whatsoever while you the coaching staff continue to talk to as many people as you would like to it's a great relationship to be in if you can get it i suppose one of the things that I think is in general true is that nothing in recruiting is a clean business. It's obviously very dirty. One of the things that is therefore frustrating is when people make comments to suggest that because uh, other individuals are looking out for their own self-interest or are following a different incentive structure, there is something not explicitly morally inferior about that, but at least that that's a bad behavior. It's something that's not being taught correctly. PJ Fleck, if he receives a much better offer from a different university next year, will be the head football coach at a different university. And I don't think we should begrudge him for that because that's the incentive structure that's being played. 
what is true, and this seems to have worked out generally pretty favorable for Minnesota, is that P.J. Fleck and his staff tend to have a bit of a hard sell. They're very willing to put a scholarship on the table and say, we need you to commit now, otherwise we're going to immediately move on. That's fine. Sales tactics are absolutely reasonable when you're recruiting. What I think is probably frustrating for them is that there were people who they didn't think they had to deal with anymore. They now have to try and get back into the boat, which changes the coaching staff's push going forward. Now, as a fan of the University of Minnesota and as someone who does not care one whit about what 17-year-olds are thinking on a daily basis, I'm usually inclined to go with the coaching staff in the sense that like, I support the University of Minnesota and I don't really care about recruiting that much. But it is a little bit rich to suggest that uh, recruits deciding, hey, maybe I didn't want to do this exact thing when I was 16 and I want to take more time about it is somehow a, you know, admission of terribleness on today's youth. Uh, that was not far enough away from my lawn street. I, I'm just going to say that you need to get farther off my lawn. Blake, uh, your response to this, uh, thoughtful critique of the dirtiness of college recruiting culture i say it's very eloquently articulate i'll give uh, i'll give street that and i think we're very much on the same page um in terms of recruiting being just a completely warped and unhealthy industry i just there's nothing about it that i can defend um i just think it's just at this point we just have to accept that it's just a terrible process and it's become completely warped by um the state of college football as it is but um, as far as flex comments, I mean, like you said, I feel like his policy is pretty much standard for other coaches. Um, as for I just yeah I do I do kind of chafe at all the, any comment that starts with well today's society it's just like we've got a lot of problems you know the word commitment and the meaning of the word I don't think is a is a huge one. But with that said, I think this was a, just an offhanded comment at a fan rally, and this is the off season, so of course. It blew up into a 48-hour news cycle, and obviously now I think everyone's kind of moved on. But um, I do think there's plenty of hypocrisies in football, and particularly recruiting. You don't have to look far to find them. To me, this just this one was just not worth getting that worked up over. But I'm not going to begrudge anybody who um, thinks that Fleck or whoever is being a hypocrite. I think the true travesty of this entire situation is that it really overshadowed the fine burn that Lindsey Whalen leveled against uh, Coach Fleck being bald and then uh, how Fleck turned that around on uh, Patino. So really the true, the true losers in all of this are us as fans who enjoy comedy. Uh, and that is just not to be forgiven. So the national media and Iowa fans everywhere, you have ruined comedy on the internet and boo. You are terrible. That, that, that does raise the question, though: Is Fleck bald by choice, or by you know whatever forces remove the hair from the scalp? It's just because he did. I think he did originally shave his head, but he's kept it bald. I just didn't know if that was his choice or has just nature taken that uh, that choice away from him. It's you know, has has I I honestly would not be surprised if it was nature. Just the nature of I think Minnesota football could probably do that to any man. I think the nature of Heather Fleck may play slightly more of a role than Minnesota football, but noting the general desire to tear your hair out is one that being around this program can do. I would also say I think we would have to get into a much larger philosophical discussion of what is bald. 
uh, because I believe he was already bald. You're just talking about is bald balding or is it fully bald and i think there's a whole podcast to be done on that one we should probably find some experts in our fan base who can speak pros and cons i being he of the strong wavy locks um don't really have the ability to comment so we'll, we'll save that for uh, another time all i'm gonna say is that hair today just doesn't want to commit like it used to in the past it used to be that you chose to be bald and you own that. But now hair today is like, am I bald? Am I balding? Do I want to come back? I just think that that's a moral failure of today's hair follicles. I agree. C- c- cut his I... bike, please. <laughs> well, God, I, we really do need to talk about these Brian Urlacher uh, advertisements I see every time I drive to Chicago, but we'll save that for, for not now. They're everywhere. Um, They're literally everywhere. I know, it's horrible. We're going we're gonna to get to that at some other time, though. In the meantime, go Gophers. Sky you ma. Row the boat. <laughs>